begin reading with verse 1. And he commanded the steward of his house, saying, Fill the men's sacks with food. This is Joseph, who is the governor of Egypt. As much as they can carry. And put every man's money in his sack's mouth. And put my cup, the silver cup, in the sack's mouth of the youngest. And his corn money. And he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. Verse 17. And he said, God forbid that I should do so, but the man in whose hand the cup is found, he shall be my servant. As for you, get you up in peace unto your father. But the man in whose hand the cup is found, he shall be my servant. I just want to preach maybe something that would seem unusual here at first, but Give the Lord a chance here, uh, hopefully through the anointing of the Holy Ghost, we'll be able to convey what I feel deeply on my heart today. I want to preach the servants of the silver cup. The servant of the silver cup. Would you pray with me once again that the Lord would help us and anoint us and direct us here today. Lord, we need you. We need your anointing. Come on, pray aloud with me. We need your touch, your strength, your power. We know, God, again, that you're the vine, we're the branches. It's only through our connection to you that anything of value comes out of this. And I'm praying that once again you would anoint, you would bless. God, I pray that these folks could be encouraged and strengthened, helped through the word of the Lord. We thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. And would you love the Lord and give him praise right now? Praise God. Praise God. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. We know in the preceding verses and chapter that leads up to this text that I read to you from this morning, that there was a great and terrible famine that had swept the land of Canaan. And God's people found themselves in distress. Jacob, who was named by God Israel, who would be the patriarch of the twelve tribes of Israel, found himself now falling upon hard times. There was not enough food to eat. It looked as if Something didn't change drastically and quickly that they would perish. There had been news that had been given to them that there was plenty of corn, there was plenty of food to eat in Egypt. And so reluctantly he sends his sons down to Egypt. And unbeknownst to them at that time, Joseph was in fact the governor of all the land of Egypt. The man that was right underneath, right underneath Pharaoh. He had authority. He was in charge of all of the 
food, all of the supplies that they would need. And when they arrive there and they ask, they ask of Jake or Joseph rather if they could receive corn and they could take food back to their families that were perishing because of the famine. Of course, Joseph recognized immediately who they were. And I don't have time, and it's not the point of my sermon this morning, to go into all the details of this story. But he told his steward, or the servant of his house, he said, I want you to fill every one of these men's sack with corn, with food, supplies, so that they can take it back to their families. And I think it's very important to point out that he said, I want you to give them all that they can possibly carry. We know that Joseph is a type of Jesus Christ in the Scripture. Most of us are aware of that. We know that he was betrayed by his brethren. The Lord was betrayed. We know that he was sold for silver. The Lord was sold for silver. And there's many other things that parallel their lives. And so Joseph is a perfect type of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. And I think it's ironic that he said, I want you not to just give them a little bit or just a portion or maybe even perhaps what they asked for, but I want you to give them as much as they can carry. I want you to give them in abundance. And if I could just take a few moments here and talk about my Lord, isn't that exactly what he does for each one of us? He doesn't just give us enough to make it till we get here for the next church service. He doesn't just give us maybe even what we ask for, but there are times that he gives us in abundance. The Bible tells us that he is an abundant God that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think. God doesn't ration us. God doesn't just give a little bit when we need more. But he is a God that is unselfish. He's a God that is willing. And I think you need to understand that this morning. We're not serving a stingy God, but a God that is willing. Hallelujah. He's willing to heal somebody this morning. He's willing to deliver somebody here this morning. He's willing to raise somebody up and restore somebody's broken heart this morning. He's willing to correct things in your family. He's, he's willing to correct things in your life. He's willing to hear and answer your prayers. I'm serving a willing God. I'm reminded of the leper that came to the Lord and he said, if thou will. And the Lord quickly corrected him and said, what do you mean if I will? He said, I will. And the scripture said he did the unthinkable. He touched him. This man being a leper, he reached out and touched him because whatever Jesus touches, he changes. Whatever Jesus touches, he's not affected by it, but he affects it. He didn't become a leper by touching a leper, but the leper became whole by Jesus touching him. When you come into the presence of the Lord, he has the power to heal you. He has the power to change you. He has the power to make your life different. Oh, somebody ought to give him glory today. Somebody ought to praise him and give him a little thanks this morning that he has such power. And he's not limited in his power, but he's willing Anything you're hungry for, 
He said, blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. He wants to. He desires to. He's willing to heal, deliver, set free, save, fill you with the Holy Ghost, whatever the need is. I want you to understand at the outset this morning, he's willing. He's willing. Praise God. If you come here questioning that today, you need to get that out of your mind. He's willing to forgive. He's willing to cleanse. He's willing to wash. He's willing to redeem. He's willing to make whole. He's willing to totally restore. Hallelujah. He's willing. Praise God. And he said, I want you to give them all that they can possibly carry. I want you to place it in their bag. And then we read this unusual thing said for Benjamin, the youngest, he said, I want you to take my silver cup. And you know, for people in authority, this cup was significant. Many times there was a special goblet or, in this case, a silver cup that was used by no one other than the governor, which was Joseph. Pharaoh undoubtedly had his own cup. And we know that in that day, Pharaoh had a cup bearer. And this was what he was served in. And the cup bearer would be the person that would bring this to him, and he would test whatever was served, whatever was brought out of the kitchen. He would take a sip of it. And if there was any poison or if there was anything that would possibly uh, be used to sabotage or to assassinate, take the life of uh, Pharaoh, then uh, the life of the cupbearer would be taken instead of Pharaoh. So he did this to safeguard uh, the cup. And this cup was very significant, and it no doubt was for Joseph. He said, you know what cup I'm talking about. He was telling the steward of his house. He said, you know what cup I'm referring to. He said, I want you to take that silver cup of mine, and I want you to place it in the mouth or in the bundle of his sack that you send with him. And they sent them away to their father's house. And then he said, after they get a little ways down the road, I want you to go. And I want you to overtake them. And I want you to search their sack. And this is what you say to the one in whose sack the silver cup is in. He's going to be my servant. And they happily got their bundle of corn and their supplies. and They could only imagine these brethren who had let their father down in deceiving him about Joseph. No doubt they wanted to make amends all of these years. They wanted to make their father happy. They knew the anguish. They knew, they knew the toil. They knew the hurt that they had caused him. And so now they're, they're wanting to, to make amends the best way that they can. And they know that bringing corn back in this dire time, tragic time of a famine is going to bring a smile to the old man's face. And so maybe their hearts are warmed by the fact that they know that they're going to be able to make him happy for once. They brought so much anguish to him. They've disappointed him so many times, and now finally they're going to be able to do something good. And they look and they see that there's entourage coming to overtake them, and they hold up for just a minute, and they're asked to, to be able to search the, the bags of corn that were given them. And they knew that there 
They didn't put anything in there that didn't belong in there. It was all placed in there by these Egyptians. And so, without any kind of reluctance, they gave it to them to search. And how their heart must have dropped when they looked and they saw the silver cup. And none other than Benjamin, who was the youngest and the most tender And the one that had been a comfort, if there had been any comfort for Jacob after the loss of Joseph. And this young boy was dear to his heart. And now it looks like the Egyptians have played a cruel trick on them. And that's exactly what it looks like. It looks like that there is a lot of undeserved anguish and pain that comes out of this situation. It looks like a cruel joke. And a prank that has been played. And there's a lot of hurt that is involved. And they have trouble making sense out of this. Why has this happened? Why has this taken place? We come here needing help. We come here needing uh, supplies. And something to, to appease our hunger. And to satisfy our appetite. And now this has happened. This looks like a cruel joke. We know we didn't put that in there. But there's no sense in arguing with it. We, it's there. And, and now they're going to take Benjamin. And he's going to be a servant. And they're going to hold him as collateral as it were. And how are we going to go back? Now these same men that were looking forward to going and presenting these bags of corn to their father. Now they're dreading the fact that they're going to have to go back and tell him that not only have you lost Joseph, but now it's Benjamin that's been taken away from you. And they knew that this would be enough to literally break the heart of their father. And we see one of the most passionate pleas in the scripture by Judah who steps up and he said, don't, don't do it. Don't, don't take him. Don't, don't allow him to be the one. If anybody deserves it, I deserve it. I want you to take me and make me a servant. Maybe he was remembering what he had done to Joseph and he was asking, uh, I don't want this to happen again. Maybe this is a way that uh, this could all be, be making amends for. I'll just take this is, a, this is the judgments of God, no doubt. I'll just take the brunt of this blow, and you just let Benjamin go on, but they would have nothing of it. And they're having terrible, terrible regrets that they even went down to Egypt. And they ask, and they put themselves in this situation. And maybe they're having trouble making sense of what's going on. And I want to just take a moment and preach to you a little bit that there's times in our life we don't understand. We can't make sense of it. We don't know why it's happening. Why is this taking place? Why has this situation occurred the way that it has? Why so much hurt? Why so much pain? But one thing that you've always got to remember is that this was all inspired by God. God had his hand in it all. Through the fabric of this story, we see the hand of God in everything. They didn't understand it at the time, but God was still involved. God was still working. It was God that had orchestrated this. It was God like a puppet master that's standing behind the behind the, the dark curtain and he's manipulating this situation and they can't see it and they don't understand it and they can't see how any good is going to come out of it. 
But you see, Joseph understood something that they did not understand. If I just give them enough corn so that they can go home happy, it's not going to be enough. Because Joseph knew, because he was an interpreter of dream, he knew exactly how long this famine was going to last. And he said, if I send them home with just a bag of corn, it's not going to supply them for the entire famine. It's not going to keep them satisfied for the entire time that this famine takes place. They're going to need more than that. So some way i got to keep them coming back. Some way I got to keep them coming back and depending upon me. Some way I got to keep them coming back and asking of me because I've got a storehouse that is full of corn. I've got a storehouse that is able to supply them through the entire famine. And can I tell you that there is times that God places things in our lives that we don't understand. We, we can't get our minds around it. We can't grasp why it's happened this way. But maybe it's so that we'll keep coming back to here. So we'll keep praying. So we'll keep seeking here. We'll keep calling upon here. We'll keep hungering for his help. We'll keep desiring his guidance. We'll keep coming back to the house of God. We'll keep going back to the prayer closet and saying, God, I don't understand it. I don't know why. I can't comprehend it. But I know one thing. I need you to help me through these days. I need you to help me to overcome this situation. So, in their bundle, in the sacks that were prepared, was placed in Benjamin's, that silver cup. And God sometimes plays us a silver cup in our lives to keep us coming back. Amen. To keep us humble before him. To keep us seeking him. Amen. Saying, God, I need you. I desire you. You see this over and over again in the nation of Israel. Over and over again throughout their history. God would stir up an enemy against them. So that they would come and fall on their face before him and acknowledge that we need your help, God. We can't make it without you. Because there's just something in our flesh there's just something in humanity that says, you know what, I, I, can, I can do this. I, I got this. I can, I can take care of this. I, I can handle this on my own. And God places a silver cup in our lives. And we have to, we have to admit this is bigger than me. This, this is, this is not, not in my control. This is out of my hands. I can't do anything else about this situation. I, I don't know where else to go, where else to turn, what else to do. I'll tell you what you do. You run, you run to the rock, like the psalmist said, that is higher than I. And it'll be a shelter unto you when you can't go nowhere else, when you can't run nowhere else, when there's no other escape. You can always come to an altar. You can always pour your heart out to God. Nobody understands like he understands. Nobody knows like he knows. Nobody cares like he cares. And 
while they're trying to figure it out and while they can't understand it and while they can't grasp why this has happened. There was a plan all alone that was orchestrated by Joseph. Can I tell you while you're questioning, while you're wondering, God has a plan and it's a glorious plan and when you get to the end of it, you'll be able to look back and say, now I understand. Now I know why. Now I can comprehend what was going on. Now I see the hand of God in it all. It's hard to see the hand of God in it now. It's hard to grasp why it's happening now. It's hard to understand why it's taking place like it is right now. But can I tell you, God's got a plan. God's in control. God's working it out. You need just to trust Him. See, he knew, he knew about this famine long before Joseph was ever placed there in Egypt. He later said, God sent me before you to save our posterity in the earth. God, God knew that we was going to need a savior. God knew that we were going to be in this predicament. God knew that there was a famine coming. And so I had to go through some things and I had to go to a dungeon. I had to be betrayed by Potiphar's wife. I had to go through all of that so that God could place me in the position that I'm in right now so that I could save you, so that I could, I could be a help to the cause of God so that Israel, the nation of Israel could live and not die. You know, there's certain things that God had promised and God had already foretold and prophesied to them that was to happen that that one famine seemed to threaten that that one period of time seemed to to put that in jeopardy at least in the minds of us it looks that way but I'm going to tell you God's never in jeopardy God's never undermined. God's never outguessed. God's never in a jam. The devil doesn't ever pack God into a corner. God is never surprised. God never said, oh my goodness, I wasn't planning on that. I didn't see that one coming. You and I are like that, but God is never like that. Some of us didn't see the sickness coming, and we didn't see the heartache coming, and we didn't see the trouble coming, and we didn't see the trial coming, but God saw it before we ever got there. And guess what? If he could see it before we ever got there, he could see us coming out on the other side of it victoriously. He can see you coming out of your trial with triumph and victory and shout in your voice. He can see you coming out rejoicing, stronger and better and more blessed than you were when you arrived there. Amen. It's that process. It's that period of time that we don't understand. But God has a plan. And you got to stick with the plan. You know, so many people, when, when things go awry, that's when they start looking for another plan. We weren't planning on rain yesterday. I 
told somebody, if it ever needs to rain again, we're going to plan a church function. Sunday school day in the park. Rain. Fall party. Rain. Couldn't buy a rainstorm a few months ago. Indians were all doing rain dances and couldn't rain, get a rainstorm to come out. We got the answer. Put it in your almanac. When we have a fall party, it's going to rain. Amen. Well, we wasn't planning on that, but sometimes you got to have an alternate plan, you know. I guess we could have went over there and had it in the park, but it would be kind of messy. We decided to go with plan B. But you know, God, he doesn't have, he, he's in control of the weather. He, he doesn't get caught off guard like that. He's not surprised. He doesn't sit back and scratch his head and say, you know what, I, I thought that was going to be different. I thought they were going to do different than that. Amen. You know, people, pastoring, have surprised me sometimes. <laughs> it's quiet and landmark, isn't it? I couldn't guess what they was going to do. I sure didn't guess they was going to do that. I didn't think it was going to turn out like that. But you know what? They didn't surprise God. He knows the end from the beginning. He understands everything. He's never off guard. He knows. Praise the Lord. He's aware. And he has a plan. We need to realize. We need to realize that there's there's different segments and periods of time in this this plan and the process here. I, I understand that you want to you want to accelerate things and you want to you want things to happen quicker. You'd like for things, you know. I was doing a little study here recently on on the food processing industry and and how that, you know, farmers now, they figured out how to make chickens grow faster by the food that they give. It also makes some of us grow faster too. Yeah. Amen. And now people's getting into free range and organic and all that. Why is that? Because, and I'm not trying to scare anybody, but I'm just saying that uh, because there's, there's this competition to make things accelerate and to go faster. Amen? I think it was Brother Danny Valentine was telling me about a new species of pine trees that they've they got that are grow so much faster. Used to, you had to wait, you know, 25, 30 years or something like that before you could harvest a pine tree. Not now. They've got, I don't know if they're as good a quality, but they have definitely accelerated the process. And that's how they... They, they figured these things out, and they've scientifically manipulated things. But you can't manipulate life sometimes. As much as you'd want to, as much as you'd want to tweak some things over here, there's things about all of our lives we'd like for it to be a little bit different than what it is. We'd like to turn a knob. We'd like to, we'd like to adjust some things. We'd like to, to tighten some things and loosen some things. And there'd be some things that we would like to adjust but life doesn't work like that. Amen. Life is orchestrated by God. 
Now, it's not to say our decisions and our choices and and some of the things that we face in life are not the result of of some of those choices that we've already made these decisions, and that's why life has ended up like it is, because we know that there's a law in that book that what you sow, you're going to reap. You can't plant corn and reap potatoes. You can't plant wheat and get corn. Amen. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. It's amazing to me how many times people sow things and they don't want to reap what they sow. Amen. They want to, they want to be excused from that. And sometimes, thankfully, by the grace of God, there's crop failure. Aren't you thankful for some good crop failures? Amen. Every once in a while, God, God gives us another chance and he's merciful and he's kind and he's gracious to us to not allow us to reap everything that we've sown. If some of you had reaped everything that you had sown, oh my God, that's exactly right. It'd be a mountain of rocks right here instead of a church. That's it. Amen. Have you reaped everything that you had sown? But thankfully, the grace of God intervenes. But the overall scheme of life and all of our lives have a purpose. I don't believe that anybody is, is called out of sin just to be a pew dweller. I don't believe anybody's called out of sin to get on the, get on the trolley to go to heaven and just sit there until you arrive. No, I believe everybody is called according to the word of God. We are called according to his purpose. There's a purpose that you're here. And since there's a purpose, there's a plan and if there's a plan there's a process and you got to walk through that process and if you go through that process you will arrive at the purpose of God if you follow the plan you will arrive at the purpose of God they tell me that in the in the training of the Navy SEALs, which is probably one of the more extensive special forces trainings that there is. They have to go through all kinds of rigors to even get accepted into such training. But I am told that there is a bell in the area down in Coronado, I believe it is, where they're training. There's a bell that any of them can ring at any time during, during the training of several weeks. And what that is simply saying, I don't have to say a word. I just ring the bell and I'm out. I'm excused. I can leave. If I decide this process is too much, I can ring the bell. I can quit. And there's a lot of people in this day and hour that are doing just that. They're ringing the bell on on living for God. They're ringing the bell on their marriage. They're ringing the bell on the church and saying, you know what? This is too much pressure. This is too much stress for me. I'm going to tell you something. Wake up, friend. There's stress everywhere in life. There's pressure everywhere in life. You can't escape pressure by getting out of the church or excuse using yourself from living for God. Because as sure as you do that, you're going to find pressure somewhere else. And guess what? You're not going to have God to help you. You're not going to have God to cast your cares upon. You're not going to have God to, to help you bear your burden. Everybody's going to bear a yoke. I said everybody's going to bear a yoke. 
And Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden's light. So you better get yoked up with him. There's a yoke of sin that you cannot bear. There's a yoke of this world that is too heavy for you to carry. But if you'll get yoked up with Jesus, you got him on the other side that is helping carry and bear the weight of, of, this, of this life and situations of life. You got him on the other side that you can rely upon. And he's carrying the brunt and the burden that you cannot carry. be yoked up with this world oh no this world's fickle yeah it gets tough they'll wave at you you get troubles they say oh boy I I feel for you yeah you get down your money runs out they run out but thankfully I have one that sticketh closer than a brother he's there praise God he's got a plan He said, I want you to keep coming back because there's something that's going to come out of this. I can't show it to you right now. But eventually, I'm going to show you something. Which brings me to my last point. There was something that he wanted to reveal about himself. But he said, I want you to know the only way this can be revealed to you is you've got to come back. You've got to come back. You got to prove your faithfulness. You got to prove that you're not just going to get what you want and run out. You got to prove that you're not just going to get out of your jam and go on. You got to prove that you're not just in this thing for until you get out of your troubles and your problems and I, I get you out of out of the situation that you're in and the storm of life that you're in and, and then you you shrug your shoulders and go on. No, I, I want you to keep coming back until I can trust you. Amen. Maybe that's why some of us have to stay in the storm a little longer than others. Because he don't know that he can trust us. Maybe that's why some of us have to stay in, in problems a little longer than others. Because he don't know if he can trust us. The last time he blessed you, you walked out on him. The last time he gave to you, you didn't give him what was his. The last time that he poured out his blessings upon you. He said, thank you, and you walked away. Maybe he said, I want to know if you're going to come back this time. So I placed a silver cup in there. And if you're going to be my servant, you're going to have to bear that silver cup. You're going to have to deal with that silver cup. You're going to have to Have that in this bundle of life. And that might be the one thing that you don't understand. You understand why the corn's there, and you understand why this is there, and you, but, but why? I didn't put that there. You know, there's some things in life we've talked about what you've sowed that you're going to reap, and there's some things that you, you, you can just about guess. You can forecast, hey, I, I deserve this. I know, I know why this is happening. I, this is exactly what I deserve. But there are Exceptional times, not the rule, the exception. When we wake up like that fellow that looked out on that field and say, you know what, there's tears out there, and I know I didn't plant them. And the man told him, an enemy has done this. An enemy has done this. There's times that the devil 
allows things to happen or causes things rather to happen in our lives and God allows it so that we, so that we, do you know that, 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 that God even sometimes uses, the Bible said the powers that be are of God. Is that what the book says? All, it says all, everybody say all. All powers of God, even the powers that be, are ordained of God. Now, I'm going to tell you something that's going to flip some of you out now. God sometimes allows the devil to do certain, certain things, and the devil doesn't even realize he's being used. I'm going to take the heads down let you get in there and, and, and do some things. But when it's all over with, they're going to be closer to me. They're going to be more dependent upon me, and they're going to trust me, and they're going to be stronger when it's all said and done. Hallelujah. Put that silver cup in there. You, you, but, but when it's all said and done, when you come back, you're going to find out something about me that you could have never seen any other way unless you come back. Unless you come back to that altar, you would have never seen who I am because the Bible says that he made himself known to his brethren. He revealed his identity. He revealed. I'm going to tell you, there's things that you'll never know about God unless you had that trial. There's things that you'd never know about God unless you walked through that place. There's things that would have never been revealed to you. You would have only been just, just so deep in God. You would have been shallow in your experience had you had not to walk through that situation he made himself known to his brother you know I'm, I'm being a little bit vulnerable but there's I can look back over 20 years ago when I started preaching man I didn't know how to identify with people that was hurting I was anointed but you know what? There's a death now that wasn't there then. Because sometimes God lets you walk through some things that you have to trust him. And you have to, you have to believe him and have to walk with him even when you don't have the sight to see where you're going. Just have to say, I'm trusting you. You ever seen anybody that was that was uh, that couldn't see their sight was impaired and they had somebody uh, they had somebody that that led them. I, I've seen people being led through a crowd by, by a person and, and that 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 person was totally trusting, totally totally vulnerable to that that individual that was leading. They could have been le- leading them into a danger. They could have been leading them out into the middle of the street as far as they knew, and, and, and but they were dependent upon them and they didn't want them to forsake them. They kept a firm grip on their hand. You know what you need to do? You need to keep a firm grip on the hand of Jesus. He'll never leave you. He won't forsake you. You just go where he tells you to go. He'll lead you through this. He'll take you where you need to go. I said he'll bring you out. But that silver cup that you despair, that silver cup that you wish that wasn't there, it is to save you. It's to keep you. It's to draw you closer to the master. Why don't you stand to your feet right now and lift up your hands to God. And I'm going to ask you to do something that's going to be hard for your flesh to do. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be a challenge. But if you really trust God and if he's really the master of your life, you'll be able to do this. I want you to lift your hands and thank God for that silver cup.
I thank you, God, because you know me. You know the propensity of my flesh. I might be lost without it. I might have gone astray without it. I may have not have came back without it. But God, you allowed that so that I could be saved. You made me a servant of the cup so that I could find things about you that I would have never known any other way. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God's revealing some things. God's showing some things. I wonder if there's anybody like to gather around this altar with me this morning. Maybe you'd like to gather up around this front. And just say, God, I yield to you. I'm not going to resist. I'm not going to fight against. I'm not going to try to figure it out. I'm going to have faith and trust you. I'm going to put it in your hands. I'm going to let you lead me through it. I'm going to let you help me every step of the way. Hallelujah. I get in trouble trying to do it on my own and by myself, but I depend upon you. I put my confidence in you, God. I'm asking you to help me. Come on, let's come in and pray. and let's, let's talk to the Lord. Let's seek the face of God this morning. Hallelujah. I need you, Lord. I need your guidance. I need your spirit to help me, Lord, today. I give myself, I give myself to Oh, yes. Somebody opened up their sack and they saw a silver cup. Said, I, I, didn't, I didn't plan on this. I don't know why. But God, you're the great orchestrator, you know. Oh, let's talk to the Lord. My life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself.